Welcome everyone to Classic Amateurs. My name is Norman and I'm here with Raz. Hi everyone. Uh, welcome, welcome on board. Good to see you, Norm. Good to see you, Raz. Here at the Classic Amateurs, we discuss books. Books that we read, the books that we believe are classics, and books that we believe that the other one should read. What do you have for me today, Raz? Well, there's a book that's still in in bookstores on the shelf. Uh, you might find it in the airport. Um, it's imposing, it's thick, it's white, and it talks about human beings. The Bible. <laughs> the opposite of Bible, because it's white. Uh, Bible tends to be black. But it, it, it builds a lot on the same uh, spiritual elements. And there's something about it that just uh, keeps on being pertinent to people. It's still on bookshelves, even though it's been published in 2014. Uh, it's called uh, Sapiens by uh, uh, Yuval Harari. And uh, there's just something really sticky about it. And I, I really wanted to take this time, and I know you haven't read it, to, to just introduce it to you. Why is this book still on the shelves, uh, you know, seven years later? What makes it interesting, interesting enough that someone would continue reading it? This book is actually part of what became kind of the a whole new segment. I don't know if it existed before this book uh, materialized, but it definitely consolidated as a, a segment in publishing that is it's called the Brainy Books. You know, we had a flood of personal development things afterwards, but we also had a, um, a flood of um, kind of uh, science-y, uh, combining research with the uh, narrative uh, trend, you know, think of Freakonomics, think of, um, of of a whole list of of books of that sort. And pop this science, just, pop science, exactly. And it, it, it does something really wonderful. Um, and I, I would like to also express admiration and also criticize it. What it does wonderfully well. So, just for before I go into that, uh, to answer your question, I believe in two thousand eight, it was still selling hundreds of thousands of uh, of uh, copies in the UK alone, right, in a matter of a year. So half, kind of half a million. If you extrapolate that to the world, it's still a multi-million uh, copy book year on year. And I, I believe it's still persisting to some extent. Do you, do you feel that's because it has a really cool title? Or is it just like a really pretty cover? Maybe people just buy it because they like the cover. Um, I will describe this cover. I don't know if you've seen the cover. It's got a, a brief history of humankind and, of course, sapiens, which maybe most people would understand that refers to humans and I like a human uh, print on that. But um, the, the irony is that it's not, it's, it's brief, but not so much. I think it has at least about 400 pages, 368 Jesus. pages. Is but, that what brief means? <laughs> That's the irony, right? It works on multiple levels. This is where I wanted to touch it. This is what's wonderful about it, because I think it achieves something that many books afterwards realized in this pop uh, science genre, is that you know, it, what it really achieves is making you feel good about yourself. How does it achieve that? Here you are with the so-called brief, and you know it's not brief, it's an imposing book, you know, 400 pages, and here you are devouring it within a matter of a day, depending on your, your speed. And you're asking yourself, wow, I'm actually pretty smart. I'm actually reading this super fast. And look at all these science things, science bits. Here's, here, I'm actually smarter after having read this book. I'm more nice. significant. And uh, I think this is what it really truly achieves. Uh, it's kind of making you feel good about yourself, but also making you feel bad about yourself. 
So there's some triggers in here, uh, very interesting psychology of this narrative. Then I can give you some examples later. That actually like, makes you... It's like, it sounds like the book is nagging you. Like it's giving you a compliment, but it's like a backhanded compliment. You know, I'm just going to jump good, into but it. But also not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, what makes a good story, right? If you think about the structure of a story, you need to have a good setup. You need to have a good conflict. Uh, then you're going to have the journey of the hero and then uh, some climax and, uh, you know, an exciting end. And this book, even though it's built on, let's say, summaries or abstracts uh, of history and uh, and uh, anthropology, that uh, it goes on to to weave a very very interesting story. So the setup is obviously humans. It does a very interesting job. It it simplifies things to the extreme, and this is and I still haven't nailed this point. What it really achieves mm-hmm. is um, simplicity. It it reads so well, even though it's four hundred books it reads like someone is telling you a story like your, your 400 pages is, it put mother is putting you to bed the condensation mm-hmm. the simplicity of the writing is is so tight that it's so uh so uh approachable so whereas before you know you had science that was only for a certain uh reader with a certain iq and a, a certain uh, discipline around reading uh, being able to assimilate long sentences here you have an amazingly tight writing that still remains compelling that sometimes uh, offers sentences of one word or two words. So it's really like a a spoken word book. (laughs) However, yeah, the topics are so relatively serious that it it makes you feel like you start mastering the topic. It empowers you to have opinions about things that otherwise you wouldn't feel comfortable having. Do you think, uh, I didn't read the book, obviously, so I'm just... um, being hypothetical do you think it is a bit of a downing kruger effect when you know a little bit about the subject and you feel very confident about your knowledge Mm -hmm. well um to some extent that's how i feel right now um (laughs) yeah i think we're all uh, we all have that bias right uh sure i think um i don't have the quote on the top of my head but uh there's something about kind of being stupid and uh having the impression that you know everything and i think the more you know the more you realize you don't know anything. I think that was kind of an Einstein or a Newton topic, right? I know that I don't know anything. Um, and um, it's definitely the opposite in this case. You have the impression, because of the bird's eye view that this book is offering you around human evolution from the earliest of times to today and the future, hypothetically, it gives you this impression, this false impression that you see it all. You, you understand it all better than you ever had. Uh, it, it, you know, in a way, it, it, it offers the same thing uh, religion uh, offers you in a sense of uh, sense of meaning, a sense of understanding. However, it does it you know with science. And that's what makes you feel like it's more credible, especially in the lack of religion when you when yeah. you, when you have that, this, that gap. Does this book make you feel like you are the crown of creation? Sorry, evolution in this case? Well, I mean there are chapters in the book that call humans God, right? So mm-hmm. hear, hear me out. Here, coming back to the stru- pure structure of the narrative, it starts off with the setting where it explains to you what physics is, and I, I swear I just need to read from this because it's to to give you a sense of the simplicity. And it's so simple; it's deceptively simple, and it's it can be incorrect, and you still kind of buy it and move on. So to give you an example, you know, uh, just him describing or the the author describing what uh, what chemistry is. So 
About 13.5 billion years ago, matter, energy, time, and space came into being what is known as the Big Bang. The story of these fundamental features of our universe is called physics. After 300,000 years after the appearance, matter and energy started to coalesce into complex structures called atoms, which then combined into molecules. The story of atoms, molecules, and their interactions is called chemistry. So it gives you these very semi-scientific, semi-correct definitions of some concepts, and then just kind of builds on it. Uh, but what it does really awesome. well from the, from the get-go, it's great, and it's that amazing perspective. You see it all happening from the very earliest of time. But what it does really well, it's set up, setting up the hero, us. And what it does fascinating well is that uh, it basically talks about the chapter is actually the first chapter is called an animal of no significance. So it set up, sets up the hero ourselves as being this mm-hmm. uh, individual of no significance. So it achieves two things. Well, you've got the hero in the story. It's obviously going to walk us through our journey, but it also lowers our expectations about who we are and kind of hits a bit of our ego and it, it traps us a little bit psychologically. Wait a second. I don't matter. Right. So you, this idea is playing with, you know, <laughs> who we are and and uh, our constant search for meaning and it's telling us from the very beginning you don't matter you know there's something maybe about uh-huh. only game of thrones achieves that where where the individual doesn't matter right but you just want to see the next episode you know because uh-huh. you know it's kind I of see. all so- sociologically driven it's all top down it's all anthropological yet it keeps going and i think i don't want to jump around to the criticism which i had at the end but i will call out that maybe there's this this um this blatant uh, ignorance of the individual consciousness throughout the whole book that is uh, maybe missing a few other things, but I'll touch upon it. What does that mean? Elaborate well, on that. there's something about sociology and, and anthropology where you just see, well, it's an observing of what is happening without actually, uh, one hand, assuming it's a inevitable, uh, and case in point, the idea of singularity, you know, we're seeing so much innovation around. We've spoken about it when we spoke about Peter Thiel's criticisms. Uh, we see things changing so so quickly. We just assume that innovation is a given, that man was supposed to rise, become conscious, evolve uh, socially, uh, build societies, industrial revolution, and then uh, bionics, um, you know, chips in your brain, uh, cyborgs, uh, artificial intelligence. And that's a given. So this idea Sci-fi, that it, baby. it was meant to be, and so there's no, there's no, uh, you know, um, focus or no mention of actually individuals making choices along the way, ethical choices, opting for one over the other. Um, individuals don't matter in this narrative. It's only the collective humans that matter. Uh, and that's so it, what it is. Uh, this is like a scientific communism, basically, <laughs> because it's all I, like everyone matters. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch upon that. No one matters, and everybody matters, which is oh. uh, the problem with uh, socialism. But um, there's an undertone of that, right? Um, we can talk about that politics later. But um, I think what it achieves at the beginning is, as I, like two million years ago, uh, you know, you had these species emerging and, and diverging from other apes, and then who would have thought we would walk the moon? You know, so it's um, it's humbling to think that. Uh, you know, we we ended up being the species that, that ended up achieving all these things, and it's it's quite pejorative in the way it approaches because it actually you know makes all sorts of ironies that are very triggering. And I think we're a part of the success of the book is that 
asking, hey, why was it not cats, big cats, that ended up evolving like this? And it was us humans. What made us special? We're just another mm -hmm. mammal. You know, so uh, uh, the fact that we're um, so kind of these marginal creatures, we're being called marginal constantly, you know, like there's so much bashing of humans at the beginning that you don't matter. You know, it's kind of a, a Louis C.K. You think you matter? You don't matter. And we just want to hear it's, more about that, right? I, I find it weird. Like the author was like, I'm writing this for humans, but I'm just going to criticize them. <laughs> it's like, they're just going to love it. Eat it up. Eat it up. Yeah. Eat it up. So, uh, what it does really, you know, you might ask, what does it do really well? You know, um, as I mentioned, it's kind of fake science y. I, it takes some ideas that are science y and then it weaves them through uh, non sequiturs, through these logical leaps. Uh, most likely, this, this is kind of why it happened. Uh, but it throws you know surprising facts at you, so you don't really see the logic. So you know, then it, it feeds you interesting things. To give you an example, the first time I was reading this seven years ago, I, was, I I didn't know that humans were born prematurely. Maybe I was stupid. I, I hadn't read about it. I just had no idea that human beings are born a trimester, three months earlier than they should be compared to other mammals. And I then see. you know, and then it gives you all these graphic uh, visuals of. Uh, you know, women kind of suffering, and uh, the fact that the, the child is so fragile, and um, is, hips having hips having uh, being too the, the trade off between running and, and the width of the hip in order to 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 maintain uh, the pregnancy and to to carry it to full term, and the fact that we've made that trade off in the, in the sense of sacrificing the child um, reaching a full kind uh, uh, full term. Uh, it's just just interesting graphic visuals, you know, of our history. So it's very rich in, in that detail. Um, and, and then yeah. there's another fascinating... Sorry, do you have a question? This is what I wanted to say that, yeah, from what I remember, humans born prematurely because we stood up and because we stood up and we walk on two legs, the hips narrow down, right? Well, the fact that we uh, were the only, really some of the, probably the only uh, mammals that, you know, spend so much time with their parents until they're 18, we're absolutely useless. I just, it's kind of, it just reinforces that thesis. Like, you know, we're not really that good. Again, you know, just hammering that idea. There's something about us. Why are we, why does it take so long? For what? You know, you keep asking yourself, you're reading through this, you're hearing all these dark facts about our vulnerabilities, and you're asking yourself, to what end? Uh, and Do also, you think he, this increased uh, suicide rates after people read it, and they were like, oh, this is terrible, I'm terrible? I think, um, I think some people might leave with the wrong ideas out of this. Um, another just to give you another example, to your point about suicide, I think the idea of anxiety. So here you go. Uh, a very interesting uh, um, fact that I didn't know, as again, I was mind blown reading, was that our original niche was uh, was actually sucking the marrow out of the bones. Here we are on the savanna, and you know it's the lions that actually kill the, the hunt, you know, the, the the gazelles, and after the lions have finished devouring uh, the the real the meat, the carcass, we we sneak in. Uh, afterwards, and we we suck the marrow out of uh, out of the the animals. Wow, a what a culinary specialty! Uh, there's an Italian uh, 
recipe called Osoboko, which is one of my favorites, which may explain my evolutionary past. Hmm. But uh, his point was actually, and this is where he makes kind of these logical leaps. I don't know if there's science behind this, but he claims that, you know, ultimately through our ability to communicate and collaborate, we ended up superseding the apex cats um, in, the, in the chain. But what happened is that our biology didn't change. So from underdogs, we became top predators, but we still suffer from the same anxiety of, of mid uh, to lower tier mammals that are just at the end, feasting at the end, you know, of, of everything. And that explains our anxiety and it explains our cruelty. So a few leaps there in terms of A to B, but I like the way it makes I, sense it's, to it's me. It's a great story. It's a great story. You know, I wonder how many crazy ideas we saw that we believe because it sounded sciencey enough, right? I'm not sure. But there was a time I was uh, just hearing this recently in Australia. There were um, there was one point in uh, maternity wards where they were just pulling all the milk from all the mothers and then giving it share sh- sharing it collectively with uh, with uh, the children. This is pre-AIDS, um, probably. Um, you know, because that was probably the the science of the time. Said you know uh, to each uh, according to their uh, their needs. <laughs> Do you think that the milk distribution was like a it was like a socialist revolution? Like they were like, okay, we we can't take over the government, but we can take over the the breastfeeding clinic. Yeah, milk has nothing to do with the relationship between the mother and the child, which is two individuals. It's a commodity that should be shared <laughs> equally across all. True, based. Uh, I'm going to give you one more example from the beginning around um, our relationship with other species. And again, I found this pretty fascinating. Human species were not alone. There were others, the Neanderthals. And uh, I think we're kind of 1% to 4% Neanderthal today. So the question was, um, did we kind of um, mate with them or did we kill them? And uh, I see. The uh, so what if that was there was a bit of both happening there. Uh, you were talking about at the beginning. This book is quite controversial. You know, uh, why is that? It just it's just starting with this posture around uh, being human. Um, it's very it, it delves into uh, interesting posture around this element of kind of cruelty. Um, one one of which was, for instance, related to our treatment of animals. And the fact that, um, you know, um, normally uh, if a species is, um, let's say, prolific, you know, you see it, it's a good thing that it multiplies, you know, is doing really well. But here we've kind of tamed that biology. We've taken animals, we're reproducing, enabling them to reproduce at, at scale. So technically, on one hand, cows are really prolific. They're a successful species. But at the end of the day, they're being sacrificed for our good. Is that fair is that and then it goes pretty it jumps from being scientific to jump to pre- depicting in detail you know the 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 experience of a, a calf that is not allowed to play with other calves uh, and, uh, and, and to maintain the juiciness of its meat and it goes you know it gets dark very quickly and it just just to trigger you a little bit into exactly on the thesis of you are anxious you are cruel here's what you're doing it's wrong industrialized meat is wrong it, uh, it oh. you know 
Uh, and and so is and, this guy is this guy a vegetarian or a vegan? I haven't even done the research, but there's some some ideological um, undertones in in this. Another uh, bashing that he's doing is, is against the Catholic Church. <laughs> he's like, oh, again, nice. to the point of, you know, normally you have entities, organisms that require biological reproduction to uh, to move forward. But we've managed to build platforms through effectively the logos, the, our ability to communicate and create order through our speech uh, that um, that enables uh, institutions to to reproduce and perpetuate despite the lack of genetic material uh, being carried forward. And there's a, a picture of the Pope <laughs> that is able to, uh, to lead forward the Catholic Church uh, despite it, uh, its, um, his, um, how do you call it, celibacy. And so there's a, there's a few uh, a few nods, a few uh, teasers, a few whatevers. Uh, but I think uh, just to kind of uh, to wrap it up, um, yeah, I think it's you know it's kind of pop, it's uh it's a bit tabloidy, uh it's extremely it gives you the impression that you're reading something extremely scientific, lengthy, uh, but it gives you two word sentences to some extent, um and then uh, towards the end as you read through you know imagine that you're seeing uh, human evolution through a tree of knowledge all the biblical themes superposed to scientific uh, evolution and, and history. Uh, towards the end, it, it veers into um, the sci-fi genre around uh, prophecy, uh, because um, to to his credit, he he calls out kind of the um, you know the the increasing bioengineering of of humans, uh, starting off with castration again uh, as a form of bioengineering that we do both to uh, oxen. or or dogs, uh, and we do to to humans as well. Desexing. Yeah, for beautiful voices. We've done that in the past. Uh, All the way to now growing organs on on mice. You see very nice images of that. Bionic life, where an amputee can use a robotic arm to uh, effectively AI in organic organic life. And um, again, stressing this, I think maybe that's the ideological element to it, is that stressing this idea of singularity that we spoke at the beginning. This is inevitable. So um, he's calling out the question, um, is the question effectively, what do you want to become, given that you have this arsenal now of innovation that is inevitable? And he's calling out, is the question, what is it that you want to become? Or is it because the in, in, you can actually engineer desire is the true question, uh, what do you want to want? Can your desires truly be engineered? So he's touching upon the the, the tangent between science in inevitability, science actually beating consciousness. So this is where he, uh, I think the the logic kind of fragments, and and he's raising an important question that is not covered through the whole book, which is where does the individual lie in this thing? Is there a room for individual choices for consciousness? Uh, I think that's the the big absence uh, in this whole book, and it cannot it cannot be present because it's taking this sociological anthropological view. But I think the problem of the whole frame up, and it, it's what makes it really tabloidy, is the the alarmist tone in the last chapter, right? So, which to probably contributed to the whole the sales. So this the, the idea that it scares you because uh, we don't know where we're going. You know, we're, we're on this rock and we're going wait. 60 kilometers a second and we don't know where we're going, if that's even w- Wait, wait, but he seems to 
advocate the idea that our society, if I understand correctly, that our society is predetermined in a way because he says like we are going somewhere we are not sure where but we are definitely going there and you as an individual just need to find your place in it is am i interpreting this correctly more than that although to your point um to, to the earlier point about lack of individual i think there's there's a mention there about the role of state. the reason why we don't have violence for instance is because of states state monopolizing violence for instance which is probably there's studies around that but it, it never talks about the individual itself and, and their own choices but i think just to to give you a sense of the the tone of the book which is you have to read it to really experience it uh, but for instance seeking little more than comfort and amuse, amusement uh, yet never feeling truly satisfied uh is how humans are described and this is creating the cruelty that I spoke about around the animals, the degradation of the environment, and so on. And I think it's just talking to the kind of the chaotic element of living and not seeing the other side of humanity, right? The the individual side of humanity. What, what you know, the the immense progress that individuals have um, have made through their choices in helping others and uh, drawing us from kind of the dark ages of our evolution into this very fragile present and still the vision about a better future for the uh, for all of us uh, that we're all working towards on an individual level so i think um it's it's kind of intentionally missing that mark and preferring uh bashing a little bit humans you know it being a bit kind of anti-human to some extent <laughs> oh these sapiens right. just cruel dirty and um yeah i hate them i don't want to meet them <laughs> Who are these yeah. people? <laughs> but uh, despite that, you know, the he wrote another book after the success of the the first one, which is called Homo Deus, which I tried to read but I didn't enjoy. Mm. I'm not recommending the second one, and I think the only success of that book was the fact that it was sitting next to the first one. So the second one was black. It was em emphasizing the white one even more, so people bought more of it. Nice. Um, that's my that's that. Those are my thoughts around this book. Cool. I mean, by the sound of it, there are there are plenty of controversial takes there that you probably don't agree with or you don't like that much, but you still liked it. So you like the book overall, which means that there's definitely something about it. It's like a, an abusive uh, ex or something, you know. It's like you just kind of want to go back there and okay, have another fight. Look, I wouldn't go back to it. I wouldn't. Uh, but we had some good times. <laughs> Yeah, there was some there were some good times there. <laughs> nice. Now, thank you for introducing me to this book. I would you recommend it? Do you consider it a classic? Yeah, I think it still reads well today. And I, I recently skimmed through it just just the other day in preparation for this, just reading the first few chapters and the last one. Uh, it's amazingly easy to read, and for all the good and bad reasons that I've highlighted earlier, it's worth having a look. at. <laughs> Good, good. No, I'm happy for you. It's it sounds like I could read this book and then go around pissing people off with these controversial opinions. So I'll definitely give it a shot. You'd have the ideological ammunition to to go ahead. Absolutely. It sounds sciencey, so it's true, right? It's gotta be. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you for tuning in. This was Classic Amateurs. Talk to you next week. <laughs>